Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Encounter Church, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your life. If you want more information about Encounter Church, please go to our website, encounterchurch.ag. Thanks again. Enjoy the message. This morning's message is a really that it's a, it's a challenge to our lives to discover what our role is. What's our role in this great nation that we call America? It, it would be easy for us to sit back as a church and say, well, you know, there's a separation of church and state, so therefore we've got to sit back and be silent. And we've got to sit back and not really be apart. We just kind of do our thing on Sunday and let those in Washington or those at the state capitol, let them do their own thing and just sit back on the sideline. But did you know that the separation of church and state was established not so that the church stays out of government, but so that the government stays out of the church? That was the purpose of the separation of church and state. Our founding fathers, those that built this great nation, those that established our declaration of independence and laid all these things out for us, had this mindset and understanding that the foundation of Jesus Christ is the most crucial foundation we will ever build upon as a nation. But the problem is, over the last several, several years and perhaps generations, the church has taken a back seat. We've sat silence. So it'd be easy to let the nation take the lead, but truth be told, we have a role to play in this nation we call America. We have a responsibility to do more than just sit back on the sidelines and let the nation around us evolve or devolve or whatever you want to call it. It's so easy as a Christian just to sit in our chairs on a Sunday and, and complain about our nation how a godly nation does something that is anti-God or even anti-Bible. It amazes me when the church is surprised that a godless society engages in godless activity. Oftentimes, we do just that. We sit back. Oh, we may voice a boycott or post something of of disgrace on social media saying we're not satisfied with this, but what of lasting value are we really doing? Today, I want to look at a scripture that is oftentimes quoted by the church, especially on a weekend such as the 4th of July weekend. But the problem is this particular scripture, many times it's inappropriately misplaced. We, we place responsibility in the wrong hands and we wonder why we're not really seeing any change. I'll explain that in just a few moments. Our text today, some of you in the room, some of you watching online perhaps could quote this scripture with me. It's found in 2 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 14, and I would challenge you today to take really good notes. You've got your paper outlines, you've got your, your outline on our app or the YouVersion app. Take good notes today because this is going to be a message that you're going to want to revisit time and time again. Our text, 2 Chronicles 7.14. Then 
If my people who are called by my name, by the way, God is speaking here, will humble themselves and pray and, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will restore their land. Let, let me read that one more time. In fact, would you read it with me today? I mean, I want you to read it with confidence in your voice. Are you ready? Here we go. Then, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their lands. It's time... Church, listen carefully. It's time that we, the people of God, we, the church of the living God, put biblical action to this verse and then watch what God begins to do. Therefore, I want to give you five requirements. Listen carefully. I'm not saying five suggestions. I'm not saying five things that we see or five observations. No, 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 no. According to the Word of God, I want to give you five requirements of the church in America. Requirement number one is this. Take ownership of your identity. Take ownership of your identity. The very beginning of our text. Then, if my people... Who are called by my name. Who's God talking about? The nation? America? The world? No. He's talking about us. You see, this is where oftentimes we misplace responsibility in this text. We say things like, well, if America will just return to God. If America will just return to its biblical foundation, I would say if the church would just return to God. If the church would just return to the biblical foundation and stop playing games. If the church would stand upon the foundation that God has set before us. It's talking about us, the people of God. But for too many years, we've taken this verse and we've thrown responsibility to a godless society. And we wonder why nothing really sticks. So even though America is a great nation, don't get me wrong, I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. I don't even think I want to live in any other state. I'm just saying. <laughs> I believe that we're at the best place in America. But even though America is a great nation, let me be honest, it's not a godly nation. At one time, at one moment in time, we, yes, were a God-fearing nation, a, a nation founded upon Christian principles. But I believe that we've hit a spiral downward on a slippery slope of spiritual compromise. Therefore, we're a melting pot of 
godly, ungodly, spiritual, anti-God, the list goes on and on. But we must stop passing the responsibility, and we, the church, must take ownership. Then if my people who are called by my name, if we declare that we are Christians, if we believe that we are children of the Most High God, then that's us. It was Martin Luther King Jr. that once said this, our lives begin to end the moment we become silent about the things that matter. Let me ask you, does this matter? Then why are we silent? Well, Pastor, I just don't want to offend anybody. The Word of God's offensive because it calls you out. It reveals, the Bible says that the the sin is going to be revealed. The light of God's word shines in the darkness, and when the lights come on, guess what? You see all the junk. You see the little cockroaches crawling around. You see the dust bunnies in the corner. Has the church stopped living? Martin Luther King Jr. says, the moment we become silent about the things that that matter, that's when we stop living. I wonder, has the church stopped living? Are we just existing? It's time that we begin to stand up for whose we are. It's time that we once again stand up For Jesus Christ, the time of cowering down is behind us. It's time to realize who we are in Christ. We are the child of the Most High God. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are more than conquerors. We are redeemed by the price that Jesus Christ paid on the cross of Calvary. It's time to proclaim it from the rooftop and stop hiding in the corners. Amen. Sorry, a little self-encouragement there. Don't worry about it. Luke chapter 9 says it this way. If anyone is ashamed of me and my message, Jesus is speaking here, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in his glory and in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. Well, Pastor, I'm not ashamed of him. Well, are you standing up for him? Are you talking about him? Are you sharing that good news? You see, the squeaky wheel is the one that gets the grease. And right now, we see the squeaky wheel in our culture. And it's anything but godly. You can't turn on the Disney Channel. Come on, the Disney Channel! Without seeing junk. Can't open social media without seeing junk. Why? Because the church has sat in the corner for too long and remained silent. If we want this nation to be a great nation, it's not a political leader. It's a spiritual leader that we need. Don't allow the culture to define who we are, but allow your identity to be defined by whose you are. Not what the culture says. 
So I challenge you today, take ownership. If my people who are called by my name, if that's you, take responsibility, take hold of this scripture, take a hold of these requirements from the word of God today and watch what God begins to do. Number two, declare your dependence on God. Then, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. Say what? America is not very humble. We are self-glorified, self-promoted, self-inflated, and we wonder why we face the problems we face. How many of you recognize the name Patrick Henry? Really? Like five of you? Okay, let me remind you who he is. He was a famous statesman or orator of colonial Virginia. In 1764, he was elected to the House of Burgesses. In 1774, he was a delegate to the First Continental Congress. In 1775, before the Virginia Provincial Convention, which, by the way, was deeply divided between those that supported England and those that desired freedom. He uttered these famous words. Hopefully you remember this. Give me liberty or give me death. Absolutely. He became Virginia's first governor. He was reelected four times. Why am I telling you the backstory of Patrick Henry? Because I want you to understand. I want you to realize that he was an important, respected leader and patriot in the days when our nation was first established. But in his last will and testament, Patrick Henry wrote these words, and we don't hear this often. I have now given everything I own to my children. There is one more thing I wish I could give them, and that is Christ. Because if they have everything I gave them and don't have Christ, they have nothing. We can gain the whole world. We can be, quote unquote, the greatest nation, the, the powerhouse force. But if we don't have Jesus Christ, if he's not the foundation that we build upon, guess what, my friend? We have nothing. Mark chapter 8, verse 36 says this, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you lose your own soul? Matthew 5, 3 says this, God blesses those who are poor in spirit and realize their need for him. In other words, those that humble themselves before God Almighty, those that realize that they can't do it on their own, if we want God to bless America again, then we must begin to lead the way. We must declare our dependence upon God and God alone. Today, we have to take responsibility for the identity of who we are in Christ. We've got to declare our dependence upon God. Requirement number three is this. Pray for America. Oh, oh be careful. You're amen and too quick there. We'll sit here in church and we'll say, oh, pastor, that's right. 
We gotta pray for America. We gotta pray for this nation. But what happens when we walk out the door? Was that just lip service? Was that just what we thought we were supposed to do because we're in church? Pastor says pray for something, we're supposed to agree on it. You know what the word amen means, right? So be it. You know what so be it means, don't you? I'm going to do it. Pray for America. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, we must learn to not only depend upon God, but to, devo- to voice our praise, to voice our concern to God. The Bible is very clear that all we need to do is cast our cares upon him. Why? Because he cares for us. This is a heart of dedication. This is a heart of connection to God. If we really want to fulfill our God-given role, then if my people who are called by my name, that's us, if we really want to fulfill this role, then we must pray not just for America, but for those in authority over us in our governments. Oh, I hear you now. Well, pastor, he's not my president. (laughs) He's not my governor. He's not my, well, fill in the blank. If you're an American citizen, listen carefully this morning, they are your leaders. Whether you voted for them, whether you like them or not, they're the political authority over you, and we're called to pray for them. By the way, a little simple plug. If you don't vote, shame on you. Let me just throw that out there. That's free. All right, 1 Timothy chapter 2. Why, why do I say that we need to pray for our spiritual, I'm sorry, our political authorities over us? Where do I get that that's a responsibility that we're supposed to take? Well, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 through 3 says this. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Let me pause there. That means you pray for your family. That means you pray for those in this room. That means you pray for those in your circle of influence. That means you pray for those that are lost without Christ. That means you pray for those that, that are, are persecuting you or are speaking ill against you. But that also means you pray for our political leaders. He says, ask God to help them, to intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Have you given thanks for your president? Well, not a single amen. By the way, I wouldn't want that job. Have you ever seen, like, looked at a picture of, like, pre-inauguration day and post-term of a president? In that four years, they age like 75 years. I mean, they go in, no gray cape, come out with either like all gray hair or no hair. I don't know. Crazy. Um, pray, then he goes on to say this. Pray this way for kings, in our case we say president or uh, political authorities, and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God, our Savior. 
See, here's the deal. Our founding fathers, those that helped to formulate this great nation, were committed to not only obtaining freedom for future generations, but they were committed to Christian principles. They understood the foundation of seeking the face of God, of of turning toward God, of, of relying upon God, of building on a biblical foundation. In fact, it was George Washington that once said this, Do not let anyone claim tribute of American patriotism if they even attempt to remove religion from politics. They don't teach this in school. They don't talk about this on CNN or even Fox. But our founding fathers said, if we even attempt to remove Jesus Christ, religion, the foundation of biblical values, if we even claim to remove that, how dare we say that we are American patriots? It was Ronald Reagan that said this, if we ever forget that we are one nation under God, then we will be a nation gone under. These men and hundreds more paid the price to give us a nation built on principles of God and a foundation of Jesus. Can we do any less than to pray for America? To call upon God Almighty, then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. See, if we're going to see America once again become a political, spiritual powerhouse, if we want to see America be a great nation again that's founded upon the foundation of Jesus Christ, then we must, we, the church, we who are called by his name, we must begin to pray for our leaders whether you like them or not. It's time to pray. Number four, don't forget about God. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Now listen carefully. The greatness of a nation does not rest upon the military power. It doesn't rest upon technological advancements or even the nation's wealth. Solomon, the wisest man in the Bible, once said this, Godliness makes a nation great, but sin is a a disgrace to any people. Godliness is what makes a nation great. That's what this country was built upon when the very first continental congress met they were debating upon how the declaration of independence should be written and ben franklin you know ben right you remember him he got up and he said this gentlemen if it is true that not one single petal from any flower falls to the ground without escaping god's attention will the distress of this nation go unheeded Let us therefore determine to what? 
Seek his face. Let's determine to seek the face of God. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my faith. It's time for the church. It's time for the people of God to begin to lead the way. It's time for us to begin to pray for this great nation, to seek the face of God, not to lean upon our own strength, our own understanding, our own quote-unquote ability, but to rest upon the things of God. Requirement number five, keep your freedom in perspective. Wow, this was tripped up our nation. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. The heart of repentance must begin in the church. Listen carefully. The heart of repentance must begin in the church. And those who are called by his name, the church, the Christian, the follower of Christ, we must resist the urge to twist this to fit our agenda. And that's what we're seeing. Our permissive society turns freedom into license, rights into riots, pornography into profit, sin is glorified, wrong becomes right, and right is viewed as wrong, and scripture is twisted to satisfy a sinful nature. We've abandoned the moral law, and then we shake our heads when we wonder why crime is through the roof. 1 Corinthians 6 says this, you say I'm allowed to do anything, or in our culture, we say, I have a right to. That's my rights. You can do anything. But not everything is good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. We twist and turn and manipulates to try to figure out how I can fulfill my rights when that mindset, that perspective is spiraling us downward at a rapid motion. We wonder why our kids have no more conscience, why they don't know right from wrong, why they accept anything that is thrown their way from society, why they're beginning to reject the Word of God. Not everything that the world throws our way is beneficial to the life of Christ. I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again thousands of times, I'm sure. What one generation tolerates, the next will embrace. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8 says this, Don't be misled. Remember that you can't ignore God and get away with it. A man will reap just the kind of crop that he sows. 
And some of you are like, I don't even understand that. Whatever you put in the ground, whatever that seed is that you bury and you, you fertilize and you water, whatever that is that you put in the ground, what, that's what's going to grow up. You see, if I plant an apple seed, I'm going to get what? An apple tree. But in our culture, we think, well, if I plant an apple seed, I might just get a pear tree. But that's not how that works. You reap what you sow. Whatever we invest in, whatever we make a priority, whatever we spend time cultivating, that's what we're going to see begin to grow. If he sows to please his own wrong desires, come on, look at this, he will be planting seeds of evil and will surely reap a harvest of spiritual decay and death. That's applicable because that's what we're seeing. This spiral downward as we plant these seeds of, of non-biblical values. We'll even say things, well, it's not hurting me, so I'll just let them do it. will surely reap a harvest of spiritual decay and death. But if he plants the good things of the Spirit, he will reap the everlasting life that the Holy Spirit gives him. I wonder, what are you planting? What are you sowing? What are you investing in? What are you allowing? See, some of us just have the property and someone else cultivates on our property. What are you allowing to be planted? Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, now we have the end results. Then God's blessing, God's blessing will come. It says in the latter portion of verse 14, I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and restore their lands if my people if those of us who are called by his name will humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways says i will hear from heaven i will forgive their sins i'll restore their lands i wonder how are you faring in this responsibility that we've been given as those that are called by his name? Are we trusting in God? Are we placing dependence upon him? Have we turned this great nation once again over to him, to a loving God, a caring father? Are we keeping him the forefront of all that we do? Psalm 33 says this, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Our founding fathers were committed to building a foundation based upon God. I make this statement today. We, the church, we, those who are called by His name, we must reclaim this nation for God. 
and like five of you said amen. We must reclaim this nation, but with reclaiming this nation, there's a responsibility that we must take. We've got to stop hiding in the corners. We've got to begin to seek the face of God. Across the front of the stage this morning, we have these little packages, and in the package are little plastic soldiers. Typically, I would call these army men, but we're in an Air Force area, so I don't want to get like shot down from a plane. So these are soldiers, plastic soldiers. And on the card it says, please take this soldier home. Place him somewhere to help remind you to pray for our country, those who serve it, and their families. I want you to take this morning as we exit, take one of these if you would, because we'll make sure everybody has one, both services. Take one of these per person. Take this home with you and put this little soldier somewhere in your house, in your office, in your car, someplace. And every time you see it, pray for our nation. Pray for our political leaders. Pray for our, our military personnel. Pray for this great nation. Would you pray with me this morning?